Welcome everybody to Find Your Resilience. On today's episode, I have a good friend, Miss Camille, who I knew for a while, um, back on our UF days. So if there's any Gator fans, anyone that went to UF, University of Florida, throw up the chop. But Miss Camille, hey girl. girl. Listen, we came a long way from nursing. And I kind of want to start off by talking about just, I guess, rejection, rejection from like nursing school initial, initially, because, you know, yes. we both didn't get accepted to UF nursing school mm-hmm. first time around, but God had different plans. So I don't know if you kind of want to talk about that, because I know you went to FAMU for nursing school and I ended up having a, I mean, I stayed at UF and then went to do um, school in New York. So yeah. Yes, I just first I just want to say thank God for growth because we come along. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's interesting like rejection because I feel like just coming from like going to UF and like you see all your friends like going and this the this, this, the funny thing is like I almost knew I wasn't gonna get into UF just because you know going to that guidance council I think it was Ken I don't remember his name he's like the counselor for the nursing program that we go and talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, he would tell me, well, you know, Camille, your, your GPA, you're probably not going to get in because it's one of the highest GPAs, like, for your, mm-hmm. for your year. Like, are you applying that like, people have, like, no less than, like, a 3.8? I had a 3.6. I had a 3.4. Girl, and I was so convinced I would get in. Girl, I was like, look. And then I took a class, got a C, then I think it went down to, like, a 3.3 or 3.4. So I still applied, didn't get in. I stayed at UF for, like, another, maybe, like, yeah, for like another like six months and I switched my major to health administration and I was like, nah, I really want to go back to nursing school. Mm-hmm. So I applied to all these different schools, me and Oren. Um, I feel like, yeah, me and Oren and Shauna came with us to one, even though Shauna stayed at UF. Yeah, she got accepted to the nursing program. Yeah, she did. But mm-hmm. she's always like very supportive of us, like when it came to like us looking at other programs. So I ended up just applying and I found out I got to family like the last minute, like two weeks before mm-hmm. the program started. And I moved up my stuff went to Tallahassee and then now we're here. That's good. You know, I didn't know that you end up changing your major. I thought mm-hmm. you were like, oh, but I didn't get it. I, I thought you applied right away. So you stayed for a little bit. Yeah, for another six months. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is what I want to do. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I was making like straight A's, but I was like, nah, like, I know, I know I want to go back. Mm-hmm. to nursing so I was like I applied to different schools and I was like I bet you I'm getting to fam and I've gone to fam <laughs> that's good so I I really appreciate them because I learned a lot about like this you know black American culture that right, you went to HBCU and that's so different from UF because UF so is different. predominantly white okay I've never seen that much black people ever Mm-hmm. like in the school and it was and it was great because they gave me like a thousand dollar like rent and it helped so yes listen you know my dad he was like Vanessa the smartest thing to do is to transfer mm-hmm. and I didn't want to transfer I guess because of pride I'm like no I'm a gator I want to stay right. in love you know it was so hard to get into the school and I got in listen and like I got like a whole bunch of financial aid for you know yeah in health education that i don't even use like my diploma is still in the tube in my grandma's kitchen like (laughs) and i'm just like yo i should have listened to my dad because i could have had money towards my nursing degree yeah i just don't know how much money i owe now from nursing school because i went to a private school and i'm like let's not talk about these loans let's like i'm crazy for that but 
Mm-mm. We ended up talking about the order. He's loath, and it's like I'm still waiting for Biden to be like excused. But like honestly, ever since that arrived, I probably only made like funny because me and my friend Tanya were talking about it. How like mm-hmm. we made one payment, we're like, oh, we did like something good so for the past two years. And my other thing just sitting there with the zero. Listen, my thing has been in deferment since you know. I guess I kept like going back to school, and mm-hmm. then now I'm like, I have no interest. I don't want to pay. I just feel like with us just being nurses and going through COVID, I mean, even if they don't forgive it, at least just just take away the interest. The interest is taken out because the interest is like making so much more money. Like I'm literally paying off interest, which is why I still have to pay off the loan. But I mean, that's another topic for another day. But yeah, I did feel rejected. I did feel rejected. And I feel like it's interesting because I feel like rejection has always been an insecurity of mine. Because mm-hmm. it stems from childhood, like right. Here, when my parents got divorced, it was and it was a nasty divorce with how it mm-hmm. happened. And I was always a daddy's girl. And then, like once my parents got divorced and he left, like I just felt like rejected. I felt like he chose his new family mm-hmm. over us, even though now our relationship was much better. Like. I just always felt rejected by him. So I'll reach out to him, wouldn't really get a response, so make broken promises, wouldn't come through. Mm-hmm. You just grow up like just feeling rejected um, from your dad. Cause like, you know, we're both religious people, both believe in Jesus Christ. And I feel like the man pretty much is the one that gives your identity because, you know, mm-hmm. it's on our father's last name. Right. And it's what they pretty much help determine, especially a son, and how, mm-hmm. and like, your woman's identity when it comes to like how your confidence how you should feel how a man should treat you like what you What's deserve it? your our father is our first love this exactly mm-hmm. and i didn't get that so you know and my mom had to play both roles so my mom wasn't as emotionally there as i wanted her to be because but i understand you know these caribbean mothers she's a single mom taking care of two kids she had to put on a tough role to play mm-hmm. like mom and dad. So I didn't really have time to cry. She's like, you know, you need to like go to school, do this, do this, go to school, education, education, because you will be able to take care of yourself. And it worked out great. Don't get me wrong. My mom did a great job of raising my sister and I, but that like emotional response that I know my mom wanted to get, but she couldn't. And what my dad just didn't give, it just really affected how I went throughout my life. I was feeling rejected. So when, when Ever something bad happens, I'll be like, dang, you know. I'm so glad this if I was like eight years old and another rejection. I'm like, you know what, guys, dang, a guy will boast or like, you know. Mm-hmm. You think there's something wrong with you? Like, is there something wrong with you? Did I do something wrong? Exactly. And it's mm-hmm. like, yo, like, this is crazy. Or even like with friends, like when all of a sudden friends don't really want to hang out with you or like you get invited, they get invited someplace and you don't. You know, I always feel like I had to, like, make people like me because I felt rejected from my own dad. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I remember I got baptized in college at UF my ninth grade year. Did I backslide a lot? I, I did. I, for, I forgot the name of the church everybody got um, baptized at. I don't is it great? I forgot the name of the church. <laughs> but, I mean, I went there because I, I remember I'm going to a church that a lot of people went to. Yeah. And I remember getting baptized there and, like, Feeling the love, but you know, I was like nineteen. You know, you still backslide and do things, and like you know, you know, rededicated my life later on. But just mm-hmm. going through life, that's just like I don't have any like you know crazy story to tell. But you know, just going through life and just trying to find your worth in society, especially as a black woman, mm-hmm. when we're already deemed as like the most unattractive race, which to me is just 
Right, but yet there's research, I don't know if there's research, but it's known that Black women are the most educated out of all mm-hmm. races. races. We are, mm-hmm. but we're the most unprotected because, you know, society, I mean, society knows how bond we are as Black people. Like, and I'm just going to be mm-hmm. honest, like, that's why they try and dig it down, but, like, living in a society where it's just being Black and being a woman, like, you already have mm-hmm. that against you, and then when you're fighting with this rejection, it wasn't until, like, I realized that, you know, I had to thank God for what happened to me because I feel like I have to thank God for my mom, my parents were worse. So to thank God for everything because I'm like, I want to be who I am today. Right. And who knows if the situation would have been worse if my parents would have just stayed together. Who knows? But a lot of the, I, I have to say that the rejections, the rejections aren't God's no. It's just like he, he was preparing for something better. Right. Because I went to FAMU. I took my boards the first time, didn't pass it. And I was like, why is everything for me the first time so hard? All my other friends passed it. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was dating this guy from UF, and we broke up. My world was crushed. I didn't pass my boards. When I didn't have the job, I had to move back home, go back and work at Papa John's. And I was like, I have a whole nursing degree working at Papa John's that I work at and I could start really started praying and just working and saving up had two jobs. And then, you know, I got a job, took my boards passed, and I got a job at the number one hospital in Florida, which is Tampa General. So mm-hmm. I remember you were in Tampa for how long? Like two years. I worked at Tampa General. It was a great mm-hmm. hospital. So like a level one channel. So I learned so much there. Mm-hmm. And then I started, and I was like, you know, I want to travel nurse. And in 2016, I started travel nursing, and I finally stopped once I, you know, got this job as a nurse practitioner. But it just shows that, like, all the stuff that happened got me to where I'm at here, where I'm at here now. And then also mm-hmm. therapy. I had to get a therapist because I'm like, I when I was 28, I was like, you know what, Camille, I have been dating the same person with a different face. <laughs> wow, I'm so glad you like recognize that because a lot of times, you know, we kind of don't want to acknowledge that. Well, they're the same person with a different face, and like they had some of the bad characteristics um, that I didn't that I didn't like, and it's like they kind of all were like I've been very insecure, even though I was insecure too. Like I feel like they manipulate, and like they didn't know what they want. And, like, you know, I just felt hurt. And I was like, when I was 28, I was like, you know, come on, you need to, like, work on yourself. So when I turned 29, I was like, I'm not going to date. Because I was on the dating apps for years. Mm-hmm. Nothing was working. I was like, come on, take a whole year off and work on yourself. Like, I didn't date, like, like nothing. Like, it was, listen, everywhere was dry. Like, it was just, like, nothing. <laughs> and, like, I saw my other friends dating. And I started just focusing on me, like, my physical health, mental health, like, spiritual health. Mm-hmm. And like it was good because I was working on myself, but I was also very insecure. I wasn't like really talking to the therapist. I was just taking time off. To what myself. were you insecure about? Just what? Just relationships? So relationship, just like even like my physical appearance. Because mm-hmm. you know, like growing up, I always got made fun of my nose, my lips. You know, kids were just like bullies. And I remember like mm-hmm. I was called like attracted to so I was probably like 14 because I took my braces off got my hair perfect you know mm-hmm. and then like when you just grow up not feeling attractive you know these Caribbean parents who come home from school they get fat Jay, that's the first thing they greet you that's with the first days wait I'm just like, get, you know, like you could never like hi nice to see you too like they just put right? to, oh you get so big oh you get so fat oh you need me for this and I'm like oh my gosh 
But I really think because deep down I was just that hurt little girl who didn't feel that love and like feel confidence with my dad to where it just it just traveled into my other relationship. So I looked the best I probably ever did when I was 29 years old, but I was still like just mentally stressed. Yeah, girl, you've been working now, like snatched. Listen, I know the last few years have been tough because like after my dad died, I just had these like bad eating habits. I gained, I want to say I gained like 30 pounds. So this is the heaviest I've ever been. And like, I'm not even going to lie, on Valentine's Day, like I had no outfit. And I remember Rashid, he was upset with me because like, he had plans to take me to this restaurant. I'm mm-hmm. at the mall. Like, I can't find an outfit that looks good on me because I'm just not happy with how I look in it. And, girl, it's something I'm working on. I have started going back to the gym. So good. I have made some progress. And I am trying to change up my eating habits. But mm-hmm. it's so hard. Like It is hard when you're stressed. You stress and, like, I have to be, like, mentally stable first before I can even work on my physical health. So it's it's a challenge. No, it is, because I feel like for me, um, especially because I've called, I've always been pretty much like athletic growing up. I was like, my mom works out a lot too. So she's very like health conscious and body conscious. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm probably extra hard on myself, but it's good. But like, you know, I was working out too much, if that makes sense. Like I was going to gym three times a day. I was like, I was doing everything and working out to like, one of my friends on Nico was like, Camille, like you need to calm down. Like. I got down to like 120 pounds. I was very small. <laughs> I was like, and I was like, physically, I looked at but mentally, I was like, yo, like mentally, I'm still not good. So mm-hmm. I finally looked for a therapist in 2020. And I actually started talking to a therapist because I met Joelle in 2020 mm-hmm. in March. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my sister's the one that was like, ultimately need to go on these dating apps. And I was like, no, I'm actually fine being single. I have to worry about nobody. Yeah. But I met him and like, you know, we're here now. But I was like, I didn't realize how much therapy was important. You know, everybody's like, pray, pray, pray. But if you're not mentally stable, like, I don't need therapy. And it's like, I cannot sit here and read your Bible. No, I don't want to read my Bible. Right. Like, I need something. And you want professional help. Exactly. You need someone that with that experience because I know, like, I did grief counseling mm-hmm. for a little bit, which yeah, especially really yeah. to an extent, but you know, I kind of already knew what I needed to do, so yeah, I did it for about I forgot how long, maybe half a year, and then I just had to start moving my body, like I had to get mm-hmm. out of the house because I was staying in the home too much and I wasn't active, and it's it's a journey. It is a journey. Like, it really is a journey because, I mean, it's just a lot. And I'm just thankful for therapy, which is why we both, I'm sure we both went into mental health for that reason. Right. Just Black therapy, too, because you don't see a lot of Black Mm-mm. mental health people. Because even at my job, like, most of the patients I see are predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Fine. But it's interesting, like, the few Black patients I have, like, the minute they see me on the screen, they're like, oh, okay. They're like, hey, and then, like, you know, like, when they give you that look, like, okay, and, you know, because they even say, well, there's certain things that, you know, I'd rather talk to you about that other people understand, mm-hmm. and it's, like, it's true, like, there's just certain things that someone of your race will understand, especially us being Black people, there's certain things that other people can't tell us about ourselves, because we have to mm-hmm. deal with it, especially when it comes to, like, racism and just, like, right. systemic racism, all this type of things, it's, like, the emotional turmoil that a lot of Black people had to hide, because, you didn't have anybody to talk to. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, I want to just be 
you know, there's more of that diverse person so people could feel comfortable talking because we do right. need more like black representation from mm-hmm. mm-hmm. not just for black people. They need it for Asian culture. They need it for like Middle Eastern culture. They need it for the Hispanic. They need it for all other ethnic groups like African culture. Because there's this between Black American, Black Caribbean, and then Black African. Culture is so different. They're so different. So, yeah. But what about like you? Like I know you've been through a lot of with your dad and moving, mm-hmm. and like how did you? bigger with rejection yourself so going back to nursing school so yeah you know I got rejected from UF I ended up staying got a degree in health education that I don't need now <laughs> I mean I guess it could be beneficial to nursing but that shit's still in my grandma's kitchen in her china <laughs> okay I haven't even opened it to I haven't used it um yeah but even applying to different schools mm-hmm. I forget I applied to like at least more than 10 schools like girl me too because i didn't realize how competitive it was because i was like oh i'll get in no like nursing is that major that everyone wants to go into because you know we make good money so i remember i applied and i applied to like different states i applied Mm -hmm. to some school in indiana i think it was like purdue university i applied to like you know university of rochester which is a school like i went to in new york okay i applied to like just random schools in different states and even the university of rochester that i got accepted to they initially denied me so i remember i got a a letter in the mail saying sorry unfortunately you didn't get accepted i was rushed and yeah and then it's crazy how like maybe i want to say a couple weeks later i got a call saying like hey you know a spot just opened up if you were still interested and i'm like uh yeah (laughs) <laughs> right look at god because like i really thought i was gonna get into nursing school because i'm like i have not got accepted anywhere and then i got a call like a couple weeks later saying hey we have a spot for you yeah so best believe like after i graduated from uf i literally had to start what two weeks later i like packed my stuff and drove straight to new york um but like i think it's that's where like this like tests your faith Mm-hmm. it's like you have to stay positive because i could have been like nah man i'm not gonna get nowhere and just stop applying but you know i still try to keep my faith i still apply to schools like yeah i didn't give up quite yet but like you know a lot of these rejections tested my faith and i think the more yeah. i got rejected the stronger my faith became so that was one thing and like you know, I ended up making it through nursing school, worked for a little bit, and then, of course, I mean, I mentioned this on my podcast already with MP school, how, like, I was in the FNP program, and I had to withdraw because I didn't, you know, my GPA didn't meet the criteria to move on, reapplied, and got accepted to Penn. So, it was, like, another, like, situation where it's, like, you see? I know. Your sister, what, she's doing her residency at Penn? Yeah, I keep forgetting you Penn. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that was another situation. I was like, okay, like, all right, if we keep our faith, things will end up working out, working out. And then, you know, with recently with my dad, I really had to pray to God. I think I had good support, like Rashid. My yeah, dad, he was really supportive of me. It's all like together. Girl, too long. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> 
we knew each other since 2010, but it wasn't like a stable relationship in the beginning. Okay. We broke up for a little bit and then like he ended up joining the army. Mm-hmm. And then um, you know, I went to the league mm-hmm. and then we reconnected and then we moved here together. But yeah, 2013 mm-hmm. is when we met. Okay. If you want to say 10 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been 10 years. That's a decade. But, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think all these like rejections increased my faith and like my dad that really tested me because i'm like listen devil like i'm about to graduate from you know yeah. my now you, my dad wants to, like my dad wants to die i mean i don't think that was his fate but you know mm-hmm. he ended up dying and that was the toughest i get i was numb like that whole year 2020 mm-hmm. i was numb i could only imagine um, it was the grace of God because I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I, I remember like, it's like I'm coming back from the psych hospital. I do mention this in one of the episodes. I had, I was hospitalized in the psych facility because of um, a girl, your girl was hallucinating and I was Oh, really? It. I did not know that. Were you like, yeah. like, was it from like lack of sleep or was it like? It was a combination of things. I was fasting around that time. So I wasn't eating. I wasn't mm-hmm. drinking right. Um. Yeah, I was stressed out. I'm supposed to be going back to school because this is like the first semester of my last, you know, the first week of my last semester. So I'm like, how am I going to make it back to school? My dad's dying. It was just a lot. Um, yeah, so I ended up, I was at the airport. I had a whole psychotic break. And yeah, EMS came and transferred. I went to, I think it was Orlando Health, like their emergency room. They stabilized me, and then they transferred me to um, one of the psych facilities in Orlando. I was there for a weekend, and yeah, girl, it's been a journey, but I feel like I'm such in a better mental space now, Yeah, because I'm able to talk about it. Before, I cut, I won't say I cut, but like I like changed my phone number. I wasn't communicating with no family members. Mm -hmm. It was just me by myself. Um, But now I'm more open. I'm communicating more. I forgave certain people for things that I, you know, was upset at or to. Um, So yeah, I've had to work on myself. And I think moving to Georgia really helped with that because it was just me. Mm-hmm. God, I guess, like figuring stuff out. But yep. That's yeah. amazing. I did not know that. Like, that's like a serious testimony. So I can only imagine. Are you close to your mom? Am I what? Are you close to your mom? Oh yeah, girl. I'm the only child. She okay, okay, okay. All day. Yep. How did your dad pass? We don't mind me asking. Oh, I talk about this. He had pancreatic cancer. Oh dang. Mm-hmm. Was it like sudden? Is something he just found out or something that like he slowly mm-hmm. like? No, this was the end of 2019. So he was planning to come visit me like mm-hmm. September of 2019. And I want to say like October, November is when he found out. He had jaundice in his eyes and then mm-hmm. he told me he went to urgent care. And then they told him to go to the ED. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they admitted him and they did a biopsy of his liver or bile duct. I don't know. He had an obstruction and then that's what confirmed it. So I was mm-hmm. like, I know you effing lying. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're supposed to come see me. Like, what? Right. Like, how is this happening? And then I have school. Like, it just, it, it didn't make sense to me. I was lost. I'm like, what? So, I can only imagine. I mean, I, I haven't lost an immediate family member. 
But like, like you are so strong to go through all that, especially like just talking about how you were hospitalized. I can only imagine going through all that while being in school because nursing, nursing. First of all, it was in the Guinness Book World's record. Guinness, Guinness. I can't even speak. Guinness. What is it? Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, that like the bachelor's degree in nursing is the hardest undergrad to degree to I get. Heard. Like y'all, like this is why a lot of us are crazy. And I'm like, listen, like. It takes a lot to be a nurse because you literally are for 12 hours, even sometimes over, taking, giving your life to save somebody who you don't know. And it, right. and it doesn't matter who they are. They could be, they could be the worst person. It could have been Hitler in there. You got to take care of it. It could have been anybody. And we're literally denying ourselves mm-hmm. <laughs> and our problems to take care of somebody else. And then by the time we're done, we have to drive home. And deal with our problems for a few hours and get up and do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what you were going through. Right. But um, I guess what else do we want to talk about? Tell me about like I guess your spiritual being and your mental health being and how are you doing now? Well, my spiritual being is getting is getting better, and I really think it's from my therapist. I met my therapist Renee. And mm-hmm. damn, it's, well, I met her in 2021. Yeah, like in November of 2021. I was able to see her in person because I, like, I really want to go in person with somebody because I had a therapist before I didn't really care if it was over the phone. I don't feel like I had his attention. I purposely wanted a man because I was like, I had like daddy issues. Oh, and was, my help, but I just didn't feel like I got a lot of his attention. Um, so I met Renee and like she has really like helped show me a lot about my. um Insecurities and also like how I react to things and how you know how much and so much things in your childhood you don't realize until you're like older. And like she just really helped me just to be able to cope better with things, mm-hmm. not let things bother me as much, and like really set up healthy boundaries, like mm. and teach me to be vulnerable. You know, vulnerable is a weakness, but it's not like vulnerable. Right. It just shows like what you can tolerate, you know. You're in touch with your emotions and like, you know, you just have to protect your peace. Cause mm-hmm. one of my aunts said it too, like, I need to keep my peace at eight out of a ten. <laughs> no, like no less than an eight out of a ten. So I've been doing that and then spiritually, like, you know, reading my word, going to church. It's a small group I have here with a group of girls. That's good. We meet like twice um twice a month. Mm-hmm. Um, like, cause, like, you know, my faith in like God, you know, Christ has just been like a, a driving factor. And there's so many things I'm like, yo, this this has to be God. Because when I tell you that I was not going to make it through nursing school, when I tell you that like I needed a 70% to pass the class and I had like the 70.1, like oh, this type of stuff, there's things that happen to you, this has to be God. Like, there's no other mm-hmm. way to explain it. And then, you know, just, being us from people who feel the same way, like they're trying to do things like, like just like you know, exercising and like reading, writing in my journal. I'm really trying to do that. I started writing things on the wall. You remember the show Being Mary Jane with Gabrielle? Yes, Hayes? that was my show. That too, like writing, yes, putting posts like in your yeah, like positive affirmation, right? Like they're like Bible verses, just like quotes mm-hmm. for myself. I was like, I need to. Do this kind of when things happen, like too, like too many things happen at one time. I tend to just like get get anxious, and then 
I'll start just thinking like these negative thoughts, negative things that's going down the rabbit holes like come in. Gotta snap out. Mm-hmm. I call my um negativity. Her name is Liz. <laughs> it's a name. Why name Liz? your name name your name your negative talk. And I was I'm gonna name her Liz because I used to tell her my name was like um Elizabeth when I go out and I didn't want to give people my real name. <laughs> Liz. That is too funny. So I named her Liz. So I'm like, Liz, not today. <laughs> not today, Liz. Liz, you go, you, you on time out. <laughs> For real. So come here. Is there like, I don't know, like a story you'd like to share in regards to like resiliency, something that, like a setback that you overcame? Anything you'd like to share for the people, for the people that I would have to say, um, I've had a lot of setbacks, but the most recent one is when I moved here. Mm, um, yes. So for those who don't know, Camille, you were staying in California for how long? Six years. Six years. And then you recently moved to Texas, which mm-hmm. everyone is moving to Texas. It is cheap. Texas. Housing is affordable. Well, now it's getting more expensive since this really? whole, like, you know, since oh, this morning train, like everything has mm-hmm. gone up. But I mean... The house market, you can still get a good house if you look in like the right areas here. Mm-hmm. So tell me, how has that transition been for you then? So it's still, I mean, I just got used to because, you know, I was traveling there for six years. And, you know, traveling mm-hmm. nursing, that money is like unicorn money. Like, you're not going to get that anywhere else. So you get used to a certain like lifestyle. So when now becoming a nurse practitioner, you're not making that travel nurse money anymore. Like, you're still making decent money, but it's not like, weekly like you're making over like five thousand a week type of situation mm-hmm. and i got a job here and i honestly say i just wanted to like get to texas so bad i really want to go to houston i got other plans like the closest job was here in in um richardson mm-hmm. um and like when i moved here and something told me like honestly when I, even when i went to orientation i was like i'm not gonna like this place and this place just seems very toxic and unorganized it ended up being a great toxic work environment. This is the first job you told me had as an MBA. Yeah. And, you know, because, you know, um, I signed a contract with them, so, you know, I can't talk bad, so I can't say where the place was. I know. But, we'll keep that confidential. I know, right? So, it was just horrible. Like, the management was very, um, one of my coworkers said a good thing. She's like, they're very reactive and not proactive. Mm-hmm. So, like, they'll gaslight you. They would never take responsibility. Like, I was not getting paid on time. They were messing up my checks. And then like, they were expecting me to see all these patients in a certain amount of time. And I never got to see those patients because my paychecks were so, so short. And like, they, it was just horrible. And like, nobody worked. There was just such a negative, toxic work environment. I was here by myself first. I moved here first. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like going from travel nursing where you just had something set in stone to this, I'm moving to a place where I'm changed, like making my life. So I like travel nursing where you know you're just going from place to place. But I literally, like, up my life, moved here. This is where I'm going to be, like, here for, for until, like, whoever knows how long. And I was like, wow, like, I'm stuck here. Like, I moved, we moved, like, moved until that's where I made, you know, we're, like, looking to buy a house. Mm-hmm. And like I said, and it was in February where the weather was horrible. I didn't even know Dallas snow. I didn't even know the weather was so, like, right people here. And, you know, you know the weather messed up your mood. Your mood, it was dark, it was like gloomy. I was like depressed and anxious. Like I literally was like having anxiety attacks. And I'm like, this place is so horrible and I don't have anybody here with me. Like 
This is horrible. Like, I was like, I'm just going to, like, I will just, like, pick up and move back to California to go to Florida with my family. Mm-hmm. And I know I signed a contract, but I ended up leaving after, like, a month and a half. I'm like, you know what? I'm just not staying here. And I prayed about it. And I was like, I'll just go back to bedtime. That's the good thing about being a nurse. You go back right. to bedtime and find something. And then, like, God was so good. I feel like I was resilient in the sense where, like, I believed in my purpose. And I was like, this is, I know this is not healthy for me. Mm-hmm. I really took a limp and I was like, you know, God would provide. Like, mm-hmm. and right when I was like, told my told my boyfriend, like, Joel, I don't know what what I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna figure it out. Like, I was on Indeed and then I got a message from this doctor saying, "Hey, my name is Dr. John. Nunn, and I have a practice. I'm looking for a nurse practitioner." And I was like, "This has to be scam. Like, whatever." That's scam. Right, because like you know, normally like those links on like those indie things, it's never like the actual providers. I'm like the recruiter working for the company to get you. So I was like, whatever. Mm-hmm. I responded, and then he's like, "Hey, you know, I have a practice. Like, would you be able to do a phone call?" I was like, mm-hmm. "I just said okay. Who knows?" And then like I got on the phone with him. This was March of last year. I went to shadow him for a week. And like I literally broke down in front of him because I'm like, look, I'm going to have a really long time. And if you know my pictures were short, you know, rent is due, all this type of stuff. And you know, with child nurse, I was able to save and you know, save and move here and like pay everything. But you know, all the money went towards moving. And like, you know, when you're here, it's like bills to pay. Like he paid me to shop with him for that one week and he didn't have to, which was great. And um, I took the job. And I'm here, and I really do love my job. Like, I don't have any complaints. Like, can I go someplace else and make more money? Yes. But, like, the my quality of life is so much more important to me right now. Um, he does a good job of listening to us. Like, I'm still moving. Like, it's been, like, a year now. But still, like, I just feel like God really came through. And I was, like, resilient in the sense of, like, me just, like, when adversary came, I was just kind of, like, university came out still like, like I'm gonna stick to my faith and what I believe like I'm not gonna stay in this toxic place like how I right. I physically made myself sick like all of a sudden I have to, I have to wear like a what is it a cast on my hand all of a sudden like I couldn't, I couldn't like bend my hand or do anything with my with my wrist or my hand I was like what is going on oh, wow. and I already heard like kind of wrist issues from like just like working out and like it was like I couldn't even make a fist I'm like oh my god I have carpal tunnel it was bad, and I really think it was stress. It was stress induced. And because after that's like right when I left the job, and like after a week of not being there, it went away. I was like, I really think it was stress. Listen, can we talk about quality of life? I feel like growing up, and this could be like in a Caribbean household, like it's like you gotta stay busy all the time, work, 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 like never sit down, never enjoy um, the fruits of your labor. Listen now. This gen is it Gen Z? What's it called? Gen X? Listen, these Gen Zs are not playing, okay? They're not playing. Listen, Gen like, um, this is causing me stress. I'm putting my my my, my one week notice. Exactly. <laughs> these Gen Zs, like, they did not come here to play. I think it's like 1990 after 1996. Yeah. Like, one thing I can't appreciate about them, because sort of kind of like, damn, these Gen Zs are these Gen Zs are so weird. Like, they're just different, like the way they dress. But mm-hmm. they're they're saying that about us, and I feel like our generation is weird because. We're, we were like right in that transition period. Yeah, right in the technology middle. was becoming bigger. Like, mm. um, like just, I think we went through like a major technological expansion during our generation. Like these kids can use a laptop or a phone better than I can. They're like, I didn't have a cell phone since I was what? 10th grade? 
Oh, Girl, I was in high school when I had a cell phone. MySpace was a thing. Facebook wasn't present yet until college. Dial up AOL. <laughs> you know, the whole, the, like, <laughs> there was a study that I, someone told me about how, like, when they say, like, you know, at, like you're talking on the phone, you know, our generation go like this. Mm -hmm. But they're saying that um, the Gen Z, they go like this. Yeah. Because we're used to holding, like, iPhones or like these I'm like yo like girl I had a phone no we had the the razor no was it a razor yeah the know. razor even the like the sidekick everyone had like the sidekicks what even the dial up yeah. even the dial up tells me you have to press the number press nine wait for it to go back <laughs> wait for it to go back but I could appreciate the Gen Z because mm -hmm. they are very aware of their mental health. And I mean, sometimes people may think it's laziness. So, I mean, sometimes I do feel like they do have to work better on their continuing constructive criticism. I agree. Because they've working as a dead side nurse all the Gen Zs because I don't know if they're just, they're, they grew up in that very that sensitive culture. Like what we're going mm -hmm. to now, like when you try and tell them something, they're like, they feel bullied, they feel attacked. They're like, well, they have a rebuttal. I've noticed that about like, the Gen Z. It's like, you have to learn to take constructive criticism. But they're also very in touch with their mental health. Yes, That's they one thing I can say about the Gen Z. You guys are very in touch with your mental health. And we have to hide it. They're like, look, this is stress, like you said. Listen, we were getting criticized by our parents. Like, you're lazy. You don't do enough. Listen. <laughs> they are, listen, Gen Zs, keep doing what you're doing, being in touch with their mental health. You know, learn to take criticism just a little better. That's all. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like every generation is getting better and I'm hoping, especially with how the climate is with like racism, how it's kind of like mm -hmm. doing like a proactive or retroactive type of thing now. They're growing up in that environment where it's like, you know, they're seeing it. Mm -hmm. But we're also growing up in an environment now with like certain, especially here in Texas, is banned the most like books when it comes to like ethnic cultures. And then, you know, DeSantis in Florida is trying to just Oh, the like, get away with, like the what is it, the anti woke thing? It's like you're trying to prevent white guilt. But what, what these people need to understand is that slavery is white history too. Right. <laughs> they were the enslavers, and it's like you shouldn't feel guilty. You should want to learn this. Mm -hmm. So, but like I'm worried about my kids. But now I know, like, well, if you're not going to teach them in school. They're going to learn it from me now. You know? Right. So <laughs> it's like as a parent, you got to do twice. Triple the work. Exactly. But also, you know, in America, when you tell somebody that you can't do something or you're taking it away, something, you're going to want to like, okay, I wonder why I can't learn about this. I feel like they're going to want to learn about it more mm -hmm. in some weird, twisted way. But Gen Z is keep doing what you're doing with your mental health and your, and your quality of life. Because that's something that like I learned, I think, a little too late. <laughs> but I'm like, my quality of life now is more important than money. Of course, money is important, but I think about like, yes, I could take another job, but I'm gonna be more stressed and not and just be working after hours. And my my quality of life, especially when I'm getting older. And you think about family, think about kids. Like I cannot be stressed out. Right. There needs to be a good work life balance. I know. I just picked up a second job because. You know, I'm trying to save up. Rashid and I are both trying to save up for a home. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, let's see how long it's going to last. Because your girl's tired. I feel like I don't have a break. This is like my first weekend off. Mm -hmm. I didn't work last weekend. But we'll see how long this lasts. The money is good, though. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm thinking of doing it too to save up for something. <laughs> but it's like, but I mean, it's just for just for a year. Like, I'll probably get one like starting in like the summertime and do it for like no more than a year, and then just be like, yeah, we're not doing this. Before. But I'm, not, I'm not trying to pick up too many shifts. Just enough no. to say I have a goal in mind on how much I want to save. So mm-hmm. that goal, you know, probably fall back a little bit, but. But yes, Miss Camille, I don't think I said. So Camille is a psychiatric nurse practitioner, just like myself. Um, And I know you mentioned you did therapy for a little bit. What else inspired you to go into psychiatry? You know, so what I've always liked mental health. I've kind of like psyched myself out of liking mental health. But for some reason, like mental health, I can't even, honestly, I can't even remember. Mental health has always interested my sister and I. Oh, yeah, because her sister, is she trying to... Like she's trying to her. Okay. So I I can't even tell you when it actually clicked for me. I knew I wanted to be a nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought about CRNA, but I know I was only going to do it for the money. And I know, and I shadowed one, and it just wasn't for me. Like I was like, this is cool, but just this is. And that is true. That's what I expected you to be actually, because you did ICU like your whole nursing career. My whole nursing career Mm -hmm. is ICU, but. I knew, I was like, dang, can I do this? But it's like, I knew, like, CRNA is not, it's not, it wasn't a path for me. I knew I had a passion for men- mental health. Okay. Um, and then I was like, after traveling in 2018, I was like, no, I, mean, I was like, I thought about getting my bachelor's, and I was like, I don't know if I can handle that stress anymore, if I want to handle that stress. But I met with that advisor at like Walden University. It was online because I still want to do it where I could still do online and I still shop. Mm-hmm. And the girl lady, her, I can't remember her name, but she was so nice and she was like, take one class at a time. Mm-hmm. Start taking one class at a time. Then I was like, look, I'm not trying to be in school for years. I'm going full time. So I ended up taking like a per diem job in Sacramento mm-hmm. um, at Sutter. And I was like, I'm just going to work pretty while I'm in school. And I did that mm-hmm. up until like 2021. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to work with I can handle school in this time. I just want to mm-hmm. make I was like, I know my goal is to save the community. So I was like, I'm going to work for you to save up. And all of that. So, yeah, I just, um, I, I, I just know I want to do psych. I really don't, and I, I really don't remember where it clicked for me. Mm-hmm. I just saw the mental health. I really thought I was going to work with, um, like, veterans. Because I had, a, for some reason, I had a very interesting passion in, like, the whole military thing. Because I remember when I was in San Diego, being around a lot of military people. And they had issues. Like, mm-hmm. the military, like, they didn't seem like the military. Like, I'm not in the military, so I can't speak for that. But, like, the people I met, like, they had a lot of mental issues that I do feel was being, like, like addressed when they were in the military because right. people are trained to fight and they were like, mm-hmm. me, like no, they don't care about mental health. Duh, duh, duh. And mm-hmm. these immigrants were homeless who so have all these problems mm-hmm. living on this like literally after they went to the military, like they didn't really teach them how to be civilian outside mm-hmm. of it. Like you just learn you work in the military, you come out, then you're just like you're they just throw you to the wolves and like that's where a lot of them became Mm-hmm. Or, or they didn't know what to do, and I was like, I think I have a passion for veterans. I still do. Don't get me wrong. I still mm-hmm. feel like I'm, I'm gonna end up end up doing that route. But for now, like I like what I do, and I just did fighting mm-hmm. here. And I I know my sister. I believe she wants to more of like women's. Okay. Like, I believe. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just both have a passion for like just mental health because we see how much health is an important as a physical condition. Exactly. And it's, you know, there's a mind body connection. Mm-hmm. Like if your mind's not doing okay, your body's going to manifest symptoms. And mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it correlates. And I know like for those who haven't listened, like my fiance, he's a veteran of the military and the army. And, you know, he talks about his experience and like, you know, from what he was saying in the army, they like kind of put your mental health to the side and like yeah. these are exposed to a lot of trauma. And like people don't understand that. Like that's why a lot of them are known to drink heavily. Like they become yeah. drunks and like alcoholics and like, you know, they turn to substance because yeah. I mean it's deep. <laughs> They don't know what, what they have no other outlet. So, mm-hmm. and, and so and they, suppress, they suppress everything. Right. And then the suicide rate is just so high now, mm-hmm. especially for these young kids. Like, I'm telling you. Like, from the age of like not even 16, I think from like 12, 12 and up. Like, you know, you see so much because like we have so much access to things. So, like, so, like, Technology is such a great thing, which is the worst thing because, like, technology is a lot of reasons why people have driven themselves down this route. Yeah, especially social media. Like, these kids, they're comparing their bodies to, like, bodies that they see on the internet. And to be honest, a lot of people are photoshopping their videos, they're editing the hell out of their photos. I didn't even know they had that. I didn't know they had, like, a filtering, like, a slimming, what is it, like, a slimming? Yeah, they do that. They not do that. Like what? Listen, last month I took a break from social media because I find that I'm scrolling and I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I need to be more productive with my time. So I'm learning to limit the use of my social media and just be more proactive because it does take a toll on your mental health. Um, because you find that you're more in tune with other people's business. You're not really working on yourself. So, and I, I could spend hours doing nothing but just scrolling, just, so yeah, trying to limit myself. It's, it's, it's true. It's hard. It's it's hard, but we're, we, we, we're going we're gonna to get there. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, I take breaks too, because I know how I get, and I feel like social media brings out every type of emotion. I can't nobody say it can make them happy, sad, envious, <laughs> jealous. Right? Um, what is it? All the all the emotions that are out there, like you just see things. Like someone could post something makes you upset, make you happy, make you like all this stuff. And it's like that's why like I really like I go on social media, but my friends know like yo, like if you send me something I haven't looked at it and with within four or five days, like just send it to me in in text because I really try not to go on there. And I've been following a lot of people who are more like inspirational, like a lot of these Christian mm-hmm. artists. I look at a whole bunch of foods. I'm always scrolling on food. Right. Stuff. I'm here like um, different recipes. And like a lot of like the funny things. Like I'm all there like laughing and stuff. So I try and like, like watch those things just get out. So I need to like, like, because I need just really to be scrolling. It's like, yo, like I could be doing so much other things than like scrolling. Right. I could be out. I could be getting groceries. I could be cleaning. I could be doing so much. It takes so much of your time and you don't realize that. And especially if you're struggling with like depression for Mm-hmm. and like you have that sense of loneliness and like you know people will post a lot just for attention like videos like people really don't need to know where you're at where you're going what you're doing we don't need to know that 24 7 you know I no, feel like some don't. parts of you should be 
private and intimate. I believe so, it. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. So I feel like it's like a whole different ball game now. Because before we didn't have all that growing up. We sure did it. I remember like movies. Well, it, it took like a year for it to come on on DVD. Now mm-hmm. like after two months, it's like what? <laughs> Going to Blockbuster, getting the VHS. I think they still have a few red boxes. But like, even these new computers, like my computer, I was like, where's the um the thing? I was like, where's the thing? Thing. I know I don't have that. And I'm like, oh, they don't you know, a lot of people have like a product code, like nobody uses it anymore. I'm like, yo. <laughs> right. Well, Miss Camille, it was a pleasure having you as a guest on Finding Resilience. Thanks for having me. It was great. Mm-hmm. Hope to be back again. This is yeah. great. Like, this is great. I really enjoyed this. I feel like this is like needed, like girl talk mm-hmm. but it's also like something that's very informative for other people to know like right? we're all going through the same struggles like regardless and this is like you know us being like black people we talk about ourselves but this is something that people of all colors go through themselves as well just in different things so like it, i feel like it's a good thing for people to know like hey like we're out here right i feel like we're more alike than different for real mm-hmm. All right, Miss Camille, well, it was a pleasure. If you're ever open up to part two, just let me know. <laughs> I sure will. Thanks. Love you. Right. Later. Bye. Bye.